Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So as we open up our passage, we see Jesus has moved from his wilderness testing uh, into his ministry and is clearly flourishing in that ministry as we read that he's been filled with the power of the Spirit. Reports are spreading about what he has said and what he has done, and it's all over that particular part of Israel around Galilee. But the flourishing seems to come to a a standstill uh, as he enters into uh, his hometown of Nazareth, or as Luke says, where he had been brought up. So synagogues, we find him at the uh, at the, the meeting place uh, for a number of people in that area. So as he comes into the synagogue, which were the, the equivalent of our churches, um, they came around because of the exile and when the, the Jewish people were uh, taken away off to Babylon and they weren't able to get to Jerusalem to the temple. So they created synagogues um, to allow them to worship and, ca- and gather to hear that word being preached and to spend time in fellowship with one another. It's obviously uh, an important part of Jesus' life because we read in verse 16 that it was his custom to go to synagogue. And the thing is, and this is just an aside, when, when people say that you don't need to go to church to be a Christian, it really bothers me, disappoints me. Um, because quite clearly you can have a a relationship with Jesus um, by being an individual and, and reading the, the, the words of Scripture. I believe that, the, that God is able to speak to people um, through His Spirit and the, and the Word of God, and also reading other books and maybe watching things online. I believe that you can, you can feed yourself doing that stuff, but if you aren't part of a church community, then you miss out on so much. That fellowship aspect, the, the, just the sense of community. It's one of the reasons why we struggled so much when we weren't able to gather. Because we were made, we are created to, to be in relationship with one another. And it was part of Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue. And it disappoints me when, when I hear people um, claim that they, they don't need to go to church. Um, they've Sure, this building, as magnificent as it is, it is just bricks and cement with a roof on it that thankfully no longer leaks. And that's true, but church, with a capital C, is so much more than just a building. You know, we have that opportunity to, to, to be part of one another's life and to encourage one another in our faith journey. And it's really it's painful to me when people miss out on that. And obviously it was a part of faith that Jesus just refused flat out to to give up on. It was, as Luke says, his custom to gather in synagogue with others. 
So he is asked, uh, as, it, as I said earlier, it was custom to have visiting rabbis get up and preach. Uh, the word he's given, uh, this scroll uh, of Isaiah, a prophetic book. Um, it's no coincidence that he would have been given this book um, and certainly no coincidence that we read that he goes to Isaiah 61, which is uh, the, the passage that, that he quotes, where he says, and we read it in verses 18 and 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the people we read are amazed at Jesus' preaching as he preaches from Isaiah, which is this messianic prophecy. And this promised Messiah would come to restore the, the world and secure the people's salvation and all of the things that go with that. So at first we read that they're amazed that Jesus speaks so well, but something changes pretty quickly. We know that Jesus doesn't seem to match the, the expectation that they had as he entered into his hometown. They obviously had high expectations of the local boy coming back um, to Nazareth. Now, the thing is, the people who had originally heard Isaiah's prophecy many, many years before this day in Nazareth, they had expectations too. And their expectation would be that they would return to a utopia in Jerusalem when they got back from Babylon, that the Messiah would create a utopia for them. But clearly, that's not what's happened. They still find themselves under foreign occupation and rule as the Romans have taken over. So clearly, the, the only conclusion that we can come to is that when Isaiah was writing this prophecy that it wasn't for that time, but the Messiah was with them now. As Jesus says in verse 21, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Messiah is in their midst there in Nazareth. And while they were amazed at how well he spoke, they weren't too keen on what he had to say or what he didn't do. Jesus had come to restore the whole world, not just a small pocket of it. The Messiah was to come and to save the world. This offer of salvation was for everyone, not just a small group of people. But that's not what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear that they were special and to hang with everyone else. They wanted restored and forget the, the, the Gentiles with their, 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 their crazy ways and their, their worshipping pagan gods. What do they, how do they deserve salvation? We should be the ones that receive that. They were God's chosen people. And their amazement moves to anger pretty quickly. It's amazing. He doesn't perform the party tricks that they'd heard he'd been doing in Capernaum and various other places around Galilee. And it's amazing that they don't seem to pick up on the irony of what Jesus had just said to them. 
as he spoke those words and preached on them from Isaiah 61. Jesus says that he comes to bring good news to the poor. Now, that is undoubtedly those who find themselves materially poor, but equally it is those who find themselves spiritually poor. And that can happen for a, a number of reasons, where our, our well just goes a bit dry. But Jesus has come to preach good news into those situations. He says he came to proclaim release to the captives. Again, that may well be those that are finding themselves physically captive. And we know that there are so many people in our world that are persecuted and thrown in prisons for their faith. We've been made aware of that through a number of amazing charities that look to try and combat this. But equally, again, there's that spiritual dimension, like I said last week, that there's, it's not just all physical, there is a spiritual aspect to it. And it's those who find themselves captive to the lies of the enemy. Jesus has come to preach good news into that situation and to release people from it. And finally, he says he's here to restore sight to the blind. Now, of course, again, there is that physical restoring from blindness that we might think of the miracle that Jesus does a little bit later on in his ministry, where he restores the sight to the blind man. But equally, it is for those who find themselves in that, that spiritual darkness, the, the spiritual blindness, Jesus wants to preach good news into that situation and to release people from that spiritual blindness. And the thing is, we can all go through periods in our life where we suffer from these things, where we maybe feel spiritually depleted, spiritually poor, and we need Jesus to, to fill us up. It might be that we're listening to the, the, the lies and we're being held captive by, by those, those little untruths that just nip away at us. It might be that we are finding ourselves in a bit of a darkness. So many people in our world who do. But we need to continually be going back to Jesus to ask him to continue to fill us with that good news so that we might be a, a great witness to our world as we go back out, as I say every week, you know, as we go back out into that world, that we might be a great witness that the good news is found in Jesus. But the thing is, sometimes we might find ourselves that we're not even aware that we are in some of these situations. We've kind of, we're just rattling through life and we've not really taken much time to, to think about it. You know, the people are amazed by what Jesus has to say, the power of his, his preaching. But they're failing to see who he is because they eventually get stuck on who he was. You know, the, the fact that they've been challenged, they almost become childlike as we, as we read in verse 22. It says, it's not this Joseph's son. You know, have we just fallen for these fantastic stories that we've heard of the things that he's done. Is that no Joseph's boy? Have we been taken in here? What's, what's going on? You know, Jesus preaches this amazing messianic 
prophecy and says it's been fulfilled in their presence that very day. Yet they fail to see it. Is that Joseph's laddie? And of course, we might fall into patterns just as these people did of not recognizing the power of Jesus in people's lives. People that we know. We might fall into that pattern of failing to recognize just how powerful God is and how powerfully God is moving in the lives of those that are in our life. People that we know. You know, I've spoken about it before that that Scottish people were very, very good at sort of dragging people down. You know, tall poppy syndrome, we like to cut them off under that sort of, you know, false uh, thing of, you know, we need to make sure that people stay humble. You know, we need to keep them humble. But, or as the or as my gran used to always say, you know, never forget where you're from. I'll never forget where I'm from. That doesn't give people the right to chop you off at the knees. And the thing is, it's so drastically different to what Jesus is offering and what he's saying today. But Jesus offers us the opportunity where he comes and he meets us where we are. But he never leaves us there. And he takes us much further than any of us could ever possibly imagine doesn't look to do the chopping off at the knees that, that we seem to be so good at. Maybe there's other countries that do it too, but I can only speak from my own situation, and we're quite good at it, and we need to get better at not doing it and focusing on the way that Jesus does stuff. And while all that can be true, we can also find ourselves in situations just as Jesus did, where we become the, the target for that stuff and that's hard and it's difficult you know we are transformed and we're being transformed every day of our lives through our relationship with Jesus yet it may have happened in a, a dramatic way we hear these testimonies of of Jesus working in someone's life and it's like almost immediate where they were one person one day and become a completely new person the next again day. And these, these are amazing testimonies. And, and we, we praise God for them. But more often than not, this transformation is happening over a long period of time. It's little subtle things where we experience things and we experience more of God and we start to change as time goes on. Not everybody has the, the dramatic uh, conversion. You know, we're not all like Paul. But it's more likely to be happening over a period of time where we're transformed and being transformed each and every day. But the thing is, people may well fail to see the person we are today because they are so tied to the person that we were. Just the way that the crowd were in Nazareth. They failed to see Jesus for who he was. 
because they were so tied to that little boy that would have been running around in the, the carpentry shop with Joseph. But the thing is, it's not only do we, will they fail to see it, they may react in negative ways to us. They might look to try and pull us back, throw accusations at us. And it might be negative comments from people that we don't necessarily know all that well, and they may not know us all that well. And we're able to kind of just dust it off a bit and say, well, they don't really know me. And depending on your, your character, the way that you are as a person, that might be easier than, than, than it might be for others. Some people take things really strongly to heart, and it's, and it's difficult to just dust it off and move on. Others are a little bit better at doing that. But it definitely becomes far more difficult when we are being you know, purposefully rejected for the person that we are today by people that are close to us, our friends, our family. It's incredibly difficult. The thing is, we all have a past. We all have a, a story, a testimony. And it hurts when people fail to see the, the changes that have happened in our life, that we're not the same person that we were, you know, a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. And it's difficult to, to accept that when they fail to see it. You know, we're constantly being transformed and it hurts when people don't recognize it. I can imagine, I can only imagine what it must have felt like for Jesus as he comes to his own people, as Luke says, where he'd been brought up, and for the reaction to be the one that, I don't think he would have been surprised, but it would have hurt. He was the Messiah, and they are failing to see it. They can't appreciate him for who he is because he's just Joseph's boy, not Emmanuel, not God with us. They... See him as Joseph's boy. But they not only fail to see it, they get mad. Very mad. Not just dismissive of him. They're driven to severe anger. Or as it says in verse 28, filled with rage. They're filled with rage. And then continuing on in verse 29, where it says, They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. It seems to have escalated very, very quickly from being amazed to this, ready to throw him off a cliff. I'm immediately reminded of the run-up to, um, to Easter and on Palm Sunday where we have the, the, the cries of Hosanna. And then just three days later, the shouts are crucify him. This is not something that, that will be the first and last for Jesus. This happens throughout his ministry where people are amazed and then they get angry because they don't like what he has to say. But it's amazing how things can escalate so quickly. Jesus has reminded them and points out to them that God, God's original plan was to transform the whole world. That all nations would be joined together. They don't understand this and 
They don't understand that this is exactly what's meant to be happening. He goes, let's go back to verse 23 where, where Jesus says, he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that you have heard, we have heard you did at Capernaum. You know, all of that stuff that you've been doing, Jesus, all of the stuff that we've heard about, why aren't you doing it here? Then Jesus continues on and he says that this is just what happens. You know, a prophet is never accepted in their hometown. Then he gives them examples. First, he goes to Elijah and he says that in Elijah's time, when he was called, there were many widows in Israel. You know, the sky was shut for three and a half years and they were suffering from drought and famine. He then continues on, but he says, what about Elisha? There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of prophet Elisha. None of them were cleansed. Elijah goes to a widow in Sidon and Elisha is able to heal and cleanse Naaman the Syrian. Jesus is using these two heavyweight prophets as examples of even even they were rejected by their own, but God was using them to do amazing things in other parts of the world and with people from other parts of the world. It's bigger than just this small town, that it's far bigger than that. He's challenged them. He's challenged them because they have their own thoughts of what God should be doing. Forgetting who God is. They don't have the right to tell God what he should be doing. And it's in their selfishness that they fail to see that God is so much more amazing than anything that they could have ever comprehended. But they feel that they should be the priority. That, that, it's, that it's them that are important. You know, if, you say, if you are who you say you are, Jesus, then surely we should be the first ones. You're one of us. This is, this is your hometown. Surely we're the people that, that should get this first. But you're doing it all over the place and we're not getting any of it. You know, Jesus would have something to say about first and last later on in his ministry, but that's a story for another day. But that's where they're at. They think they should be first. And the thing is, we can see that they're allowing their their thoughts to blind them from what is happening right in front of them, who Jesus is. And the thing is, each and every one of us does have a purpose. Each and every one of us has a ministry. The ministry is serving God. It might not look like what I do, but each of us have been gifted amazing gifts and passions from God. And we're called to serve Jesus and serve the world using those passions and gifts. We go with the same Holy Spirit that that we read that Jesus is filled up with as he goes into Nazareth. We're not the the same people that we were. We are being transformed as as we move forward. And the thing is, while we do have that ministry in us and we are all called to different things the one thing that we all share the one thing that we all share is that our primary calling 
is to be a devoted follower of Jesus. That's something that we all share in. That should be our number one priority. We shouldn't allow the perceptions or the comments from others derail that. That is our number one purpose. And the thing is, it can be incredibly difficult and tough to do when we are surrounded by negativity, anger, frustration, dismissing of who we are now. As I said earlier, I can only imagine what Jesus must have been feeling. He must have been so disappointed. Not surprised, but so disappointed by the way he was treated in Nazareth. And the thing is, it's okay for us to be disappointed too. When we are being dismissed and rejected by those that that we care about, when we think care about us. But we need to look to see how Jesus responds and copy it. Let's read that last verse. Verse 30. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. He maybe wasn't surprised by the welcome that he received in Nazareth. But he dusts himself off and he walks by. You know, God has chosen you and me for very specific things. And we each have our own gifts and and own calls on life and we will be equipped for those if we ask God to equip us for them. But there will be times where it will be difficult, where we come up against a a level of, of dismissiveness or rejection and resistance might be from people that we don't know all that well and we can, we can, as I say, we can brush it off quite easily. However, it might be from people that we care about. And that's hard. We fail to see who we are today because they're so tied to who we were yesterday. And that's where we really need God's strength and wisdom to, to carry us through that particular chapter of our journey. But we need to walk forward in confidence that we might be able to do as Jesus did, just walk and continue to walk with him. And we'll be looking at what it means to be called to be a disciple next week. But this week we need to recognize that we are transformed. We're not the same person that we were yesterday. And we're being transformed each and every day. None of us are the finished article. We shouldn't allow others' perceptions or comments dictate to us who we are. They may be looking to pull us back, but God is for us. And God will give us the strength we need to continue that walk that we have with Jesus, even when we are being rejected by our own. So shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord, we can only imagine what you were going through in Nazareth. Once being accepted and the people being amazed to very quickly people being angry with you. Lord, we thank you for your your challenges, for the opportunities to grow through those challenges. Help us to reject 
the, the opportunity to be part of the crowd. Help us to accept them for what they are, a molding as you seek to transform us to be more like you each day. And Lord, we pray that, that you would allow us to forgive others that have spoken that negativity into our lives. Help us to forgive and to, to give that back. Lord, we thank you that you provide us with examples on how to respond to these kind of things. We thank you that, that the way you see us is so drastically different to the way the world does. So Lord, would you continue to remind us that you are with us each and every day of our lives. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.